number two, the Pete Callender Show here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Welcome, 704-570-1110 or uh, 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers if you would like to participate in the program. Uh, going over uh, Dr. Andy Jackson's assessment of the movie 2000 Mules, and I will go uh, through others as well. The uh, North Carolina connection, this is what he starts off talking about, the ninth congressional district race, Mark Harris versus, um, oh gosh, why am I drawing a, drawing a blank on that guy's name, the one that he beat? Oh, how quickly I forget. Uh, at any rate, uh, this was the one that McRae Dallas and the ballot harvesting operation in Bladen County uh, forced the, the, the new election, and uh, then Harris uh, had all sorts of uh, health issues uh, kind of related and spurred on by uh, just the uh, the stress of all of that situation. And then Dan Bishop ended up running for that open seat. He won it, and he has retained it since. Um, so here's how the uh, True the Vote folks, they went and they got all of this data from uh, that's commercially available, and it's about cell phone uh, locations, right? The researchers at True the Vote they would they they sort of drew these zones around drop boxes where you could go and drop your absentee ballots, and then they uh, they monitored the cell phones that would walk through the area, right? And to limit the number of false positives, they considered only carriers of phones that went within at least ten drop box zones, and the facilities of at least five nonprofit organizations. All right, so that's two criteria that they use. I gave a third earlier, but uh, the third, so uh, I'll just run through. Number one criteria is that anybody who was moving through these areas prior to the election, they ignored. They ignored those phones because if you were walking through these areas already before the election, they can't know that you're now going to the drop boxes, right? So that's the first criteria. Then they also uh, uh, only looked at people who went within the zones of 10 drop boxes and five nonprofit organizations that are doing ballot work, election work, that sort of stuff. That's a very, very conservative data pool, don't you think? You got to go around 10 different boxes and five different nonprofit organizations that are involved in this kind of work. The filmmakers supplement their geolocation data with security video footage of individuals depositing ballots in drop boxes. The uh, producer of the movie, Dinesh D'Souza, said Mule's uh, phones were geolocated at those drop boxes during those times. The movie also includes testimony from an anonymous source who said she was involved with a ballot trafficking operation in Arizona. The pattern noted in the movie fits the pattern seen in the alleged ballot trafficking in Bladen County. He goes on to say later in the article, absentee ballot fraud is difficult for election officials to detect. And so when they manage to detect it and report it to law enforcement, the fraud is rarely investigated, much less prosecuted. So, People expecting what is shown in the movie to result in any criminal convictions are going to be disappointed, probably. The geolocation data by itself does not prove that the alleged mules used the drop boxes. They can't prove that. 
They just know that those phones were in those zones. At least some of those suspected mules could have just stopped near them as part of their regular routines. The sheer volume and variety of those stops near ballot drop boxes stretch credulity and do raise suspicion, but suspicion alone is insufficient for prosecutions. This is why I said, because I had an email. Let me go ahead and bring this up. Um, I had an email the other day uh, from Bob, and he says, I've been listening to you since you were a guest on WBT. I did not realize you were in Asheville and missed out on those years. I'll skip the normal brown-nosing-the-host comments, but I do enjoy your show and your approach to the issue, so I guess I didn't avoid it entirely. Anyway, he says, if I understand it correctly, you don't believe there's adequate evidence to believe that there was enough election fraud to keep Trump out of office. right? I, because I don't make assertions that I believe are not supported by facts. And so I don't know if there were enough, if there was enough fraud. I don't know that. And that hasn't been proven to me. And in order to prove something of that magnitude, yes, I'm going to require a lot of really good evidence. I'm going to need it to be uh, presented and tested in an adversarial setting where people will be able to dissect it and attack it, right? Impugn the motives of the people doing it if they can, uh, undermine the veracity of it, prove it's false. And if they cannot, then that would give it credibility and lead me to believe that it's true. That's the adversarial format, which, by the way, is what I also advocate for in the January 6th committee. And by not having an adversarial format, it lacks credibility. It does. So, no, I can't go out and say, I obviously agree with this because all I'm getting is a press conference, right? All right, so back to the email from Bobby says, um, I believe there was enough information available right after the election to make a convincing argument. And that's fine. You can believe that. Bob is free to believe that. Um, people have different standards. I try to, you know, particularly if this is a criminal matter, right? This The standard would be beyond a reasonable doubt. And I don't know what the reasonable doubt standard would be for which allegations, because there have been a lot of allegations. And I'm old enough to remember when I was attacked as, uh, you know, a, a, what, a rhino or a lefty or I want Biden to win uh, simply because I questioned whether or not all of the stuff, the servers in Venezuela and Italy and the Germans and like all of that stuff with Sidney Powell and releasing the Kraken. And I'm like, well, what is the evidence of this stuff? You're saying these are really serious charges. Like, you should give us some evidence of this stuff. And I was attacked for that because I, did, because I wanted to see the evidence, which, of course, never came. So I have a higher standard than others might. But it keeps me it keeps me out of trouble, generally speaking. Um, like one of your callers, uh, he says, for example, the five battleground precincts that could, uh, that seemed to quit counting for no real reason around 1030 on election night when Trump was ahead. And then the next morning, it turns out they did keep counting unsupervised or at least adding votes and surprise Biden was ahead, often by very large margins. I have questions about that as well. But I also know that this is this is a normal trend in election ballot counting. There's there's a 
a lot of the blue votes come in at the end. This shift. This has been documented all across the country. This is sort of a normal thing. Um, Now, the numbers are suspicious to me, but my suspicion doesn't automatically lend itself to a belief based on proof. Again, this is why I want to see more investigations and prosecutions. I think uh, Florida, Governor DeSantis just did something down there, creating uh, an investigative body, an actual investigation team that would go after and monitor for election fraud. And that's a great idea. That needs to be done. If you care so much about democracy, you should want to protect the integrity of our system. The democratic system. You need to protect that if you want people to have confidence that it works. Um, he says, what other conclusion can you draw? Uh, forget the wild speculation such as Venezuela voting machines and software hacks. Well, see, that's the thing, though. I can't because the same people that were throwing out all of these wild accusations, they also said some of the other accusations that other people also believe. And so it makes it hard to decipher, you know, well, I should ignore that one. Well, you tell me now to ignore it. But back then, if I ignored it, I was, you know, I was in the tank for the Democrats. In another year, will you know. Will the same standard apply? I don't know. That's why you go through an adversarial format where you test the evidence. Um, Another item was the illegal law changes for COVID that Democrats made to voting, made it a more malleable process. In other words, easier to insert fraud. And look, I said the same thing. I have spent hours beating up on Democrats for changing election law in North Carolina and elsewhere, but particularly in this state. I've done a ton of interviews with people state leaders, lawyers, and the like. And that, to me, was the evidence of an attempt to rig an election. They did it on the front end and then on the back end with all of the lawsuits trying to count ballots and have others thrown out. That's the natural state of where we are now, that the lawyers are all up in the business as soon as the polls actually open until weeks after the canvas is over and it never used to be like that but that's sort of the status quo now um he says maybe you say you want evidence you're saying you need the full hard evidence all documented dated and tagged but that will never happen well then then you're asking me to accept things on faith bob and i can't i I can't do that i'm not going to accept on faith there's only there's really only one set of criteria i accept on faith and that's my faith so that's it Everything else, these man-made constructs, nah, sorry. I'm just not going, I can't accept that and then tell other people to follow me because I believe something is true even though I don't have, what do you call here, full hard evidence, documented, dated, and tagged. Um, I do believe that that is required. If you're going to, If you're going to overturn the results of a presidential election and throw the nation into a constitutional crisis over it. Yeah, I think you do have to come with that kind of evidence. That's my standard. You don't have to share it, but that's my standard. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, reading through this email, it's kind of a lengthy email from a fella uh, who listens to the show. He says he's a fan of the show. His name is Bob. And... Uh, he says, I think we're in a situation. Oh, he, sorry, let me back up. He says, maybe 
when you say you want evidence, you're saying you need the full hard evidence, all documented, dated, and tagged. But that will never happen. There are too many powerful politicians and upper-level DOJ and FBI personnel that have too much to lose if that were to happen. I think we are left in a situation where we have to try and sort through the information available on our own and evaluate what we saw and make a determination of what was likely. Sorry to sound like a conspiracy nut, but after what they did with the Russian collusion story, it is clear that like-minded conspirators can pull off a big lie. Oh, and don't forget about the unfounded impeachments. I would love for you to talk about this sometime on your show. For the record, I did not like Trump the businessman, nor did I like Trump the celebrity or the reality TV star. I was scared of Trump the candidate, but I agreed with his positions and reluctantly voted for him. As president, I saw him doing and trying to do good things, at least most of the time. But his narcissism, tweets, and comments tended to make him his own greatest enemy, but I still liked him better than any president we've had in more than 20 years. Uh, That is from Bob. Um, and this is Dave. Let me see what Dave has to say. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the program. What's up? Hey, Pete. Hey. So I think we could all agree, you know, that, you know, we all, even on the, on the left, one vote, well, maybe not on the left, but one vote, one person. So I just, I had an idea a few months ago of, you know, as elections roll around, um, that they make an announcement of all the registered voters, the number of registered voters, absentee voters, and, you know, if those numbers, if obviously if you exceed those numbers, then there needs to be some sort of automatic, you know, election audit that goes on, whether it's countywide or statewide or however that works. But you could you could set the rules. What do you think of that idea? Um, I, I am fine with list maintenance, audits after the fact, prior to the fact. I'm fine with all of that. Uh, the Democrats are not. Democrats are not yeah. fine. Yeah, they've opposed. uh, Yeah, they've opposed list maintenance efforts that purge the rolls. They say it kicks all you know eligible voters off of the rolls. You have to do the list maintenance. People move. You know, people die. And sure, yeah. And so when whenever boards of elections try to uh, clean the rolls up, uh, they get they uh, they get hounded by Democrats. They get stories written about it, and uh, you know these uh, politicians uh, attack Republicans and uh, elections people for. Attempting to do it, I, I I would like to see the state cross check system used, where you have everybody, uh, all the states cross checking their databases, so you don't get the same people registered in multiple places. You would sure. you would catch that, and and uh, you would be able to kick that person off of whatever voting roll uh, in whatever state or jurisdiction where they don't live. But don't you think uh, uh, having those numbers announced would would eliminate? people just stuffing the ballot box like like you know what you proposed in this this you know 2000 mules thing you know they've they bought there were millions of votes you know what was it 82 million i think biden got as opposed to 75 or something for for trump you know that's millions of votes obviously it was spread out over many jurisdictions but mm-hmm. but i would venture a guess that the the number of voters voting in those was exceeded the number of registered voters if if it's but it didn't now as far as i can tell it yeah no as far as i can tell there's there's not evidence that there were more people voting than were registered to vote and i understand i'm saying that and i know people have seen because i've seen it too on the facebook i've seen the social media posts and whatever gateway pundit lunacy is being spread i've seen i've seen the stories about 
Uh, there are more people voting than would register to vote. That is a product of the list maintenance operations. A lot of times you end up with the uh, w- with the uh, rolls getting cleaned beforehand, but then people show up to vote and they were eligible to vote. So the numbers prior to look lower. And so some some of that is a product of the maintenance efforts. It's a it's a, I mean, look, you're talking about, you know, you think about the size and scope of these election systems right across America, hundreds of millions of people. Right. That's it's no small feat. Now, there are systems that have been developed that you can actually uh, secure the vote. But, of course, there's opposition to those. <laughs> so, um, gotcha. yeah. So how widespread is is vote fraud and election fraud? I don't know. That's the answer that best I can come up with. I appreciate the call, Dave. Um, yes. So audits after the fact, announcing the numbers ahead of time. Absolutely. I'm on board with all of it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So the geolocation data itself in the movie 2000 Mules does not prove that the alleged mules used the drop boxes. At least some of those suspected mules could have just been near them as part of their regular routines. The sheer volume and the variety of those stops near ballot drop boxes stretch credulity and raise suspicion, but suspicion alone is not sufficient for a prosecution. The ties between the timing of the geolocated visits to ballot drop boxes and the video footage of people placing ballots in those drop boxes, according to Dr. Andy Jackson at uh, the John Locke Foundation, he says that the, the ties are not strong enough to establish firmly that the people in the videos were definitively the mules detected through geolocation. A smoking gun would have been the videos conclusively synced with geolocation data showing the same people depositing ballots in multiple drop boxes, but the film doesn't have that. The film does not provide any information on the other half of the ballot trafficking system either, like at all, which is what? Getting the ballots from the voters. Where, Where's the explanation or an examination of that part of the equation? D'Souza... Dinesh D'Souza apparently knows that what he presents in the movie is not enough to move uh, to prove fraud. So he wants authorities to take up what they found and investigate that. One problem is that True the Vote has resisted sharing its information with election officials. The Georgia State Election Board has issued subpoenas to True the Vote to get them to turn over the names of people they allege have been engaged in ballot trafficking. Uh Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips with the organization were scheduled to be deposed by Georgia election officials back on May 26th. 2000 Mules provides pieces of the absentee ballot fraud puzzle, but the film by itself is not going to send anybody to jail or overturn an election. I'll go over here to Spencer next. Hello, Spencer. Welcome to the program. Hey, hey, um, what's up? My solution to the whole registration problem is like the census. Every 10 years, they just wipe the roll and everybody re-registers. And that would stop all this stuff about, well, you can't stop my registration in Virginia. You can't because I'm registered in North Carolina. Doesn't mean I voted down there. Yeah, it'll wipe all of that out. Every state scratches the roll every 10 years. Hmm. I've not heard that idea. 
before. Um, but what do you do then? You Well, I guess you would have to do it in a non-election year, right? Every 10 years with the census. It right. Would, it would have to follow an election year sometimes. Right, but, well, that's the thing. If you wipe all the rolls, now you're going to have everybody re-registering. And in a state like North Carolina, we've got, you know, uh, it's 10.5 million people. I think it's like 5 million or 7 million registered voters, something like that. So that's January a lot. To, January to November is a, a lot of months. Well, it is, but you actually have to, you got to have the primaries first. So it's like in North Carolina, the primaries are in May. And in the presidential year, they're in January. So, I mean, like, that's a, that's a problem. So how do you, that's what I mean, like, timing that so it doesn't completely upend an election when we have, like, in, in North Carolina, the odd-numbered years, we have elections, too. Those are for your local races and stuff. So you would have to try to time it. You would have, you would have to give them enough time and the people enough time to go through the process of re-registering. Now the Nothing, and, and, nothing's and, perfect. No, I understand, but the, uh, well, this is how you test. This is how you test an idea's you know strengths and weaknesses. Um, the other argument that they're uh, that they would throw at you is that uh, oh, this is you know disenfranchising uh, poor people more so because uh, it's a it's more of a burden on them to go and register. How did they get registered in the first place? Well, but that's my, but that's my point. They would say because that's the argument they make now. So wiping everybody every 10 years and making them do it multiple times over the course of their lives, like that's definitely going to, they're going to use the same argument. I've not heard, to, yeah, I've not heard of it. Vote every two years and every four years, that's not a burden. Yeah, but turning out to vote is easier than going and re-registering. Nah, no, it's not. Oh, well, okay. Thanks for the call, Spencer. Appreciate it. Let me go over here to Edward. Uh, hello, Edward. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Um, I, I I don't know about the Republican side of it, so I don't want to get into that. But on the Democratic side, I personally witnessed in Ohio and I witnessed in Delaware uh, election fraud, which um, amounted to uh, a man standing on a street corner with a platter with $20 bills, half pint of whiskey, and a ballot, and the person had to sign the ballot, and it was all filled out for the Democrat. And uh, now that can't be used as evidence because there's no proof that those ballots were ever delivered and used to vote. That's going to be the judge's mar- argument, you know, continuance. How do we know that was counted in the voting? And also, there were uh, cars pulling up even days later full of ballots that had not been counted, and they were almost all for Joe Biden. uh, How do you know they were all for Joe Biden? Because when they counted them, the vote suddenly shifted to Joe Joe Biden's side. I'm not making this up. No, I'm not. I'm not accusing you. I'm asking you a question because I was confused as to how you would know what the ballots were if they were if they showed up in a car. And so I guess what you personally followed these ballots as they the, made their way into the, the building showed up and and uh, the, the ballot, there were so many for Trump, so many for Biden. 
And when the car showed up, uh, all of a sudden there were huge numbers of votes for right. uh, Biden. Right. And when did the when did the car show? This was election night. I, no, it was after election night. So you were at the board of elections. I wasn't, but but as a human being, I was standing on a street corner, okay, seeing a man with ballots filled out. I understand. I'm not I'm not asking you about that story. I'm asking you about the ballots that showed up at the place, and then they turned into votes for Biden. I'm, I, you, I, I was under the impression by your story that you were at the board of elections when a car showed up with all these ballots. And then they put him into the system, and you saw this all occur. Well, the first thing I told you about was in person. I, I understand that. And the second thing I told you about, the, the last election on with uh, Trump, um, it was on the news. Okay. Or on one of the talk shows. Okay. So, all right. So, that's, so it, gotcha. it was never uh, recognized by a judge's evidence. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So... On the first example where you saw the guy handing out the money and the and the liquor in exchange for the signed ballots and stuff, yeah. that is not surprising. That has been going on for probably the very beginning of the founding of the country, right? Uh, our history is replete with it. I actually have in the stack here, because I'm about to start dragging the uh, Charlotte Observer editorial board, because they so deserve it, uh, where they just can't believe there's ever been any kind of widespread fraud that's ever occurred in America. Uh, or North Carolina. So I'll go into some of that. So no, uh, Edward, that first story you told is totally believable, completely believable, because I know other stories like it. So the McClatchy Brain Trust that writes their editorials, they outdid themselves yesterday. Headline, Republicans push for NC mail-in voting rules to be among the nation's harshest. Harshest? My gosh, are they throw people in jail or something? What are they doing? Harsh? Harsh rules? So the North Carolina GOP, the Republican Party, filed a request with the State Board of Elections asking for a declaratory ruling that would authorize county boards of elections to scrutinize signatures on absentee ballot request forms and absentee ballot return envelopes. Right, that's it. Sorry, that that's the harsh, the harshness of the, yeah. Under this process, the county board of elections would compare the signature on your absentee ballot envelope or the request form to the signature on your original voter registration documents. And if it doesn't match, your ballot would not count. This is the method used to verify absentee ballots in 27 states. This is all what the editorial board has written. Okay? But North Carolina already has mechanisms in place to confirm an absentee voter's identity. We're one of nine states that requires witness signatures on absentee ballots. Which, by the way, Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, opposed. They opposed the witness signatures. They tried to get rid of all of them during COVID. They, they, they wanted no witness signatures. This state has two witness signature requirements. They dialed it down to one during COVID, but then it reset back to the two. And the Democrats opposed those. And so 
the Republican Party is asking to do the signature verification on top of this. And this is what makes it the harshest. Later on in their piece, they say they cite the Bladen County uh, ballot harvesting operation orchestrated by a Republican political operative influenced the outcome of a North Carolina congressional election by harvesting hundreds of illegitimate absentee ballots. Um, It was perhaps the first federal election in history in which the results had to be thrown out due to fraud. That is the only example of widespread voter fraud occurring in North Carolina. And that is not true. How how do you get away with writing such garbage? It's not and this isn't even going back a hundred years, two hundred years. I don't have to go back that far. I can go back to 2013. The same place, Robinson County. The same place. The election in the town of Pembroke featured an arms race of election fraud with both incumbent Alan Dial and challenger Teresa Locklear being accused of election fraud in their nonpartisan city council race. This one involved both candidates allegedly hauling in ineligible voters and taking advantage of same-day registration. This one's a big one. The same-day registration, that's a huge problem. Oh, I couldn't bother to register, but now on election day, I'm going to go and I'm going to flood the polls with all these people, right? And we're all going to register at the same time we're voting. The board reviewed evidence that at least two candidates helped to bring people to the town's early voting location who were not eligible to vote. Some of those people, including several young men who came from out of state to attend a basketball camp. They managed to cast ballots because they were mistakenly registered during one-stop absentee voting. Mistakenly. Those illegal registrations were eventually discovered, but not before the ballots had been counted. The Robinson County Board of Elections chairman, Steve Stone, said one-stop voting was a major cause of problems in the 23 election, as well as prior elections. Quote, there's been a playbook that was written in 2005 when one-stop voting first started, and every election since, somebody else seems to get a hold of it. The State Board of Elections ordered a new election over those vote fraud allegations. Now, that's not a federal election. That was a city election. But that was 2013. There was also in Yancey County in 2010, where the sheriff's office had employees that they were acting as witnesses for convicted criminals in this in the jail in the election because the boss was up for re-election oh and then there was swain county 2006 a couple of uh county commissioners ran a ballot harvesting operation and that's just three